Welcome, gentlemen, to the official first episode of the Joe Code Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here. Gentlemen, let me just say. <laughs> Barty, let me just explain this. Oh, man, dude. I watched this video the other day of um, of Trump saying something. And he was like, we're never going to be in a socialist country. And then the video immediately like zooms into Bernie's face. A little bit, you know. I'll, I'll just send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you will trying to uh, undermine my plans. Let me just say that. I just want to make everything. Make the everything only thing free. that can undermine my plan and my campaign is my heart attack that I had. Let me just explain that. I just want college for free, healthcare for free. Medicare I have various health issues and a stuffy nose. <laughs> Let me say this. <laughs> stuffy nose. All right, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. That reminds what? me of something. Do you guys do you guys know? I don't know if you're on the tic tac at all, but yeah, I'm I'm on the tic tac. Well, there's a sound bite going around right now where I don't know, there was this guy in like New York or something, and he interviewed mm -hmm. these homeless guys on the street. And they were like Joe Byron, and they oh, called yeah, him Joe yeah, Byron yeah, a bunch of times. Talk, yeah, yeah, I don't know if NYC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard of this. Yeah, and they referred that. to it's very funny. They refer to him as Joe Byron. Joe well, Byron. I saw another an, an updated clip where the Jonas Brothers, I guess, were at the White House and like use this soundbite to like talk to Joe Biden with, and Joe Biden was like recording with the phone. And it was right. just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It was like you have the president of the United States with the Jonas Brothers, the reunited Jonas Brothers, right. using like a TikTok sound from a homeless man referring to him as Joe Byron. It was like the strangest series of events. And this was all on the talk? And this was all on the Tic Tac. So. Wow. You know, we're actually sponsored by, go to TicTac.com. We're not let me say, I don't take money from millionaires and billionaires. I only make money through affiliate and referral links. Let me just say that. <laughs> they will be found in the description double. Let me just, let me just <laughs> kind of, shameless plug, pound sign, shameless. Let me just say that. Pound sign. But actually, that's a great sign. segue into the sponsored segment of this. Oh, God, <laughs> this is so sponsored. Jamie, can we pull that up real quick? Whenever I'm listening Jamie. to a podcast, because I listen to like a bunch of podcasts, there's always yeah. that line that you're waiting for. Oh, as soon as you hear that, you're like, all right, let me go back to my computer or my phone. Let me skip ahead two and a half minutes. Yeah. It's like, it's that's like, cool. all right. And, and, you know, that's a perfect segue for today's sponsored section. For today, yeah. No, I don't want the sponsored section. The, I support the this podcast. The where they weave it in. They're like, they're like, you know, you should really be like, like, I don't even know who would do this. Like, like, oh yeah, you should protect yourself from, uh, from, you know, those bad people, like the rioters or whatever the hell it was in the streets. And they're like, and that's why you need, uh, and that's why you need life insurance. Go to policygenius.com. Shout out friend of the show, actually. <laughs> you imagine with Shen Bapiro on. That's actually. Benzel Sharpino is a great guy. <laughs> Who yeah. we have actual Trump? Yeah, I'm a, a retired president, but I'm here on the podcast. It's great friend great of the show. Here. Let me tell you. The, the funny, you know, he was gonna go on Rogan. He was gonna supposedly. Rogan was down to do it, and then I think like uh, I don't even know what happened, but fell through. I didn't want to go. Let me tell you, through. fell through. I had a golf tournament that day. Friday. Joe lives in Texas to... now. I don't live Far in Texas. Ago. Oh, is that confirmed? <laughs> Joe actually moved, officially moved to the great state of Texas. Joe, I think Rogan, he did. Rogan's been in Texas for a while no. now. He's he's down. A bunch of people are down there. He's down there. Um, he's down. I forget who else is down there. Some other people that have that have moved down there. Um, he had somebody else on recently too that was on there. I forget who the hell it was. I mean, at this point, it's a no-brainer. I mean, just 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 being here in New Jersey and having to suffer through everything that's been going on, like shutting down the economy. I mean, still right now, it's it's difficult for people to start their business back up or continue to do business. Well, the inflation is nine percent, Chris. What are we supposed to do? They're trying to hike rates a quarter percent, and it's not going to do anything. No, no, I'm just saying. Like, if you look to Florida, I just saw a statistic with Florida. Like, Florida, 
like their employment rate is up by like six percent. Like their their economy is great right now. They're doing great down in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Florida's Florida's a good place to be. Tampa Tampa's a really. This is what I was telling you recently. Tampa's a really good area. Apparently, very like nice. Uh, um, especially like uh, where my aunt lives over there. It's very it's very nice. We've been down there a couple of times, and um, yeah, it's 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 pretty solid. Well, I think land is so cheap in move. Texas. You might make mm-hmm. the move. Uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking about it. You're, you're oh. thinking, wait, you guys are actually thinking about it? Because I thought you guys were going to go to uh, South Carolina. Well, I think that's going to be, th- that's one of the situations. So the situation is, so we heard something that the governor is going to push through this, like uh, all these like vaccine mandates and mass mandates this mm-hmm. upcoming year in 2022 after the new year. So if they do that, and that's just like a little, I don't know. That's like an unconfirmed, confirmed thing from someone in the health department in the state of New Jersey. Hmm. So if that's the situation, we found a nice big old plot of land, like 15 acres in the great state of South Carolina and in Greenville, South Carolina. So yeah. plenty of room to raise some chickens. We got a nice little river running through the property too. Oh it's man, my cousin, my cousin lives out in Greenville. He well, he used to live out in Greenville. He, he like he said it was really nice. He said it was a very nice area. He used to work for some tech company out there. And he said it was very good, but um, yeah, it's it's. I mean, as long as you have your own land, you're you're in good shape in the United States, at least. How do you raise chickens? I, you know, I've always I, often wondered. Yeah, I've always I've often wondered how one one takes their I guess two you chickens, shove them in a coop, and then creates like a multitude of chickens based off of those. Well, you know, it's I, actually so. I actually all right. So funny. Oh enough, my god, he knows this information. Funny, funny enough. All right, so here's the situation, right? So we have this garden. We have this garden in the backyard, and every single year we do a great job of raising tomatoes and some zucchini, some squash too. But this year the garden went – the garden didn't go anywhere. There was no growth. It was full of weeds because I guess one of our neighbors, they gave us a tip on how to grow our vegetables a different way. We tried the tip, and the tip didn't work. So I told oh. my dad, I said, listen, I said, listen, I think we should turn our garden into – a little chicken farm. We should have chickens running around the backyard. I, I mean, I think they squeeze out an egg a day, so we'll get a couple fresh squeeze eggs. Squeeze out an egg a day? Shit out of an egg a day. So, th- so, bas- so basically, this is what the situation is. You construct the coop. You got enough room in the coop. The chickens enjoy the coop. You got you to secure the coop because you got to watch out for critters like raccoons or fox. We got a lot of foxes raccoons. up here. That, and then on top of that, you have to have a poop sheet. So right, ever, like right where everyone's <laughs> laying the eggs, or they're um, wherever they're really staying the most, you have to have a little poop sheet under the chickens because the to chickens catch the catch the, the filter. That's a filter because the chickens the, the chickens the chickens go, grade. The yeah. chickens they go to the bathroom quite quite frequently. Quite frankly, quite frankly, when uh, you step outside and smell. Smell oh my God! Smell. Can you imagine the president, <laughs> Mr. President? Are you here by the uh, by the chicken coop? Frankly, when you look at these chickens, they great, but they they got a bubble on them. I mean, it's unbelievable how much they're going to the bathroom. And then, like the final thing is, in the winter time, you can keep them outside. You just need a heat lamp. They love the heat. Hmm. Interesting. And then they yeah, just they, they squeeze out the eggs. Sword. You just got to feed them like seed and various corn particles and. Corn particles. Isn't that what they're not supposed to eat? Aren't isn't that what the cheap eat, chickens like... get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's what like corn. the garbage kits. Well, what is a healthy what chicken eat? Chicken? Worms. I know that well, the other well, well, from this. Oh, they love the worms. They love the They love worm. chicken. I, I know. <laughs> well, let me tell you. you the it? video, you I saw corn in that chicken feed mix. I saw corn in the mix. Oh, my God. That's that's like our buddy who's from the deep south, and he comes in. Oh, Bubba, yeah, I'd feed them chicken all the time. They love it. It's like they are chickens. <laughs> you know <laughs> they that chicken. they're actually chickens. Chicken raised chickens. I'm a, and at what's no that, point what's should they be consuming chicken. <laughs> is there a, is there a dietary restriction where like you only eat chicken? Like I'm a poultry poultryarian or something like that. <laughs> I only eat chickens who've eaten other chicken. <laughs> Well, that's like, have you guys heard of the, uh, I just heard about this this year for Thanksgiving, that there is Uh such a contraption of the like chicken, turkey, chick, turk, turduckens, turduckin, that's it, yes, I've never heard of this before, I've never heard of it, turkey, chicken, turkey, chicken, duck stuffed into one, turkey, chicken, and duck, it's a turkey, chicken, duck, and you stuff one inside the other, 
inside the other and it's a triple stuff it's like a double oh stuffed God. oreo but triple stuff with <laughs> chicken turkey duck and i've just i'd never heard of such a thing but apparently so... it's a food that you <laughs> wait, can eat wait, wait. so what you're telling me is so wait, is that the order so it's a turkey and then the ch smaller chicken goes within the turkey and the chicken the is the smallest. The chicken is the smallest the creature. The chicken is the, the smallest? Oh, how does the duck, how is the duck go in between Or is the, the duck smaller? The is the duck smaller than a chicken? I swear the duck is, I mean, think about what the hell a duck looks like. Look at a duck. It doesn't I think the ducks, ducks, I think the duck's got to be the smallest. You know what it probably right? is? All right, I'm going to fact check this. Let me fact see, what, Jamie, pull let that me see up. what the average, average weight of a, a chicken is. The average size of a chicken is, uh, uh and it's not telling me. 27.6 inches. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's large. We need we duck. Wait. 5 5.7 for a chicken. What's the diameter of the body? That's so that's the measurement you're looking for. Weighs approximately 5.7 pounds. What's right, the weight if of you're a duck? You're going to shove one within another. You're going to yeah, like it's got to be big enough. All right, this is the situation. The this duck is, is smaller, I believe. This is what it is. It has it's to turkey. Be. It's has turkey cuz listen, you can get a turkey, you turkey. get a 20 pound turkey. You get a 20 pound turkey. You take the turkey you stuff it with the chicken because the chicken is the next biggest thing. And then you stuff it with the mm -hmm. duck. Have you guys right. ever lifted a duck before? I, I can't say, I I say that I have. <laughs> you never went to a pond and tried to lure the ducks in with like some crackers and then you just uh, pick them up? No, sure, they, they, are, they are quite small. <laughs> yeah. The mallard. That would be the third brother, uh, Chris, that would do that. That would Turtleman. not be something that Steph and I would be would do. True. Shout True. out, Turtleman. Shout, <laughs> shout out at Dan Turtleman. TikTok legend. Turtle. That's funny. I busted shops recently because he was complaining about something. And I was like, you have half a million TikTok followers. And he's like, yeah, but that's not a lot. That, that doesn't really translate to my YouTube. And I was like, yeah, but your people who watch your YouTube are very different than the people who watch your talk. Because it's TikTok is just, it's just like little, like, look what I found. And it's just a small turtle, you know, in his hand. That's that. And it's 10 seconds of that. Right. And then the YouTube that he makes is completely not even remotely the same thing. The YouTube is like long, in-depth videos describing varieties of turtles, which is which is not the same. It's kind of like this what this podcast is versus what my videos are going to be versus what the talks that I make are. They're it's a different all, genre. All, it's slight it's a slightly different genre. I hope to appeal to a similar audience, but no overlap. We want no. We want completely different. Zero, if you listen to this podcast, overlap. don't ever go to YouTube. I don't yeah. want you to look at YouTube. Well, this is gonna be on YouTube. What are you talking? Then never. Then YouTube. never mind. Then if you're here, never go to TikTok. I'm gonna never <laughs> never go to Instagram. That'd well, be a great I'm, role I'm, reversal. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna post. I'm gonna post a. I'm gonna post a, a teaser for this on on the talk, probably Instagram and a couple other and the reels, the snap reels or whatever it's called, and uh, something along those lines. And then what I will like, and then the whole thing I'll probably post to YouTube, and then we'll kind of go from there. And that's kind of the game plan. And then I'll probably I'll try and get it on Spotify. Fun fact: Spotify actually is opening up its video to other creators now. So I applied for that. So hopefully wow. we can get video. Yeah. And Spotify, I don't know if you know this, uh, Stefan, you'd find this interesting. Spotify recently um, opened up an app where you can record podcasts remotely like this. I did. I except, did not. I've never heard of such wait, a thing. Wait. So except with no, with no video. Right. And it's called like Abra or Abra. Cadabra. Something along those lines. Cadabra. And uh, hey, here it is. I have it on my phone. Our Anchor. sister app, Cadabra. No, okay. Cadabra. No, it's not. It's not an anchor. It's called. That's Anchor. totally. That's not even remotely close. To I, what I know. You it's, not, said. it's not even. I know. It's not even a little bit the same. But it's called Anchor, and so it allows you to remotely record uh, uh, COD pass with your with your buddies with uh, with audio only. And so I also applied for a thing where they are going to be rolling out video uh podcasting for uh you know also remote recording and stuff and i was like it's interesting that spotify is pushing all this stuff because they are probably trying to get more people to record podcasts and then make it very easy for them to post it onto the spotify platform because they want to make it you know since they got rogan that's like their that was like the their big brand deal in order to push the podcast feature on on spotify 
And I think it's going to be really good for the industry. You know what I mean? Because the more, I mean, obviously the more competition we have, the, the better. And especially for video streaming, because like, you know, on YouTube, they were like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you, you can listen to a podcast somewhere else, but you can't watch a podcast anywhere else. And like, what are you supposed to do with clips and stuff like that? And I think Spotify is really encroaching on their space. And so it's going to be interesting right. to see like where this, where this industry kind of goes, you know, as more people start to migrate. Confirmed. Well, then while we're still like, while this is still like the, uh, the trial podcast, like we're just fucking around, just uh, keep it a G <laughs> we're effing. We're frigging around and finding out. We're freaking hacking we'll we'll here. Just, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna kind of do it Tim style. Yeah, we're gonna try it. We'll, we'll, yes, slight parent. If guidance. you're under we'll, the age we'll of 13, to... please find a parent or legal guardian. Have oh them God. supervise. All right. So this is what I'm thinking. I think that I think we should have like a solid intro. So, so the Joe code. So we have to have like an intro. We have to have an intro. We have to have an intro to the Joe code. So like Joe's got to come in and be like, what, hey, you know, welcome wait, to Joe to Code the cat, to the cast. And Steph and I will be like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think you have like, to walk into frame, right? It's like, oh, welcome back to the Joe Code for another I have to episode. Walk into frame. Well, that's and what then, I did in the video. And then we'll have like an that, intro. To but like, I, I was just gonna say, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the Joe Code, where we discuss. Oh. I know we got we got to pull in like the youth, like right. This is, this is going to try to attract the youth, right? Welcome to the Joe Code podcast, specifically. Because you know, you know how like Ben Shapiro yeah. says we're the we're, we're the looking. fastest growing conservative podcast network in the United States, right? So we have to say something. We have to. <laughs> we, say, I think we have to. We have to do something like that too. So we have to be like. Yeah, but we're not fat. But we know, we what, didn't what, grow what, at all. We have we have no content. Listen, it's just it's no, no, just, no, no, no. We're the <laughs> slowest <laughs> growing. <laughs> We're the slowest growing. We are the slow. Could you imagine you like get the statistics and it turns out like, yeah, you're the slowest growing. Like you've actually you're grown. The, you're actually actually the slowest. How, how poorly. Because you, you still grow. have to grow. In order to be the slowest growing, you can't be negative growth. You're not growing. Right. So it's got to be check like you, point you're right. zero, zero, right. 0.01% growth. So slow, Honestly, just I've creeping seen, along. Yeah. Zero growth, folks. Low. I've seen negative growth. <laughs> right. <laughs> In fact, some I've heard have had negative growth. This is what some people have told me, frankly. When you look at the podcast, you know what's, actually, you know what's pretty funny, it's though. Unbelievable. Speaking, yeah. speaking of low growth, I mean, have you, have you checked out the U.S. economic growth rates? So I, I think I think what the, the oh, situation is like, the, I think the Bureau for Economic Data has just come out and the president's backed this up, too. So basically what the uh, what these people are saying is that they're expecting. I think probably about a year of like fast paced growth or an increase in growth, and that's just because the economy has been in an, an artificial coma. Uh, so they're expecting like a lot of growth in the economy over the next yeah. year. But then after that, the growth rates are really like they're really supposed to slow down. I think Joe Biden has also come out and said that over the next 10 mm. years, he's expecting the U.S. economy to grow by 1.6 percent. I mean, these are very weak numbers. I mean, I, this is just in my opinion, this is unacceptable, yeah. especially for a country like the United States. Yeah. You have so much potential. You have so much potential to switch around our economy, to make the United States economy the best and most bustling economy in the world. And I think if, if anyone hears that from the president or the, uh, the Bureau for Economic Data, they should take a step back and say, well, what are we doing? Like, where where can we allocate more resources? Where can we have more investment? How can we promote more investment or savings to promote a uh, a larger growing economy over the next 10 years? Because we're going to have to compete with big dogs like China. Uh, you got to watch out for Russia. You got the European Union to contend with. You got other Asian tigers like South Korea and Vietnam, Australia, even in the in the South Pacific. So I think the United States really has to do some thinking about what kind of economy we want to see over the next 10 years. We shouldn't just bow down to whatever the president or other economists say about about low and slow growth. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's well, it, the, it's those, funny those because numbers are there's actually a lot of controversy. There's a lot of controversy about like the sustainability of economic yeah. growth. Right. So I, I took like a class and there's like an interesting theory on what actually like fundamentally drives economic growth and there is a theory that it's primarily driven at least by huge developments in innovation and essentially arguing that there will be some 
sort of innovation or large event that will drive economic growth for the next 40, 50 to 100 years. And no, that that's... essentially the modern economy is built on those catalysts and that without them, it would completely fail or, or you know, die off or whatever. So going off your point, Stefan, can you point out like certain points throughout history, like where you can say that a certain innovative technology drove the economy for a long period of time? Yeah. So, you know, in the 19th century, you had the Industrial Rev Revolution, right? So there were so many advancements in like farming technology and manufacturing capacity where all of a sudden you could replace some of those much more menial tasks uh, that were traditionally just done with, you know, kind of wage slave labor with instead using machines that, you know, fostered a huge boom and a, and a huge uh, amount of growth for the next like 100 or so years. Right. And then you have in the 20th century electricity and there's more increases in innovation there. Right. And fast pacing or fast paced technology growth. And then finally, in the late 90s, you have the boom of the Internet. And that's kind of the economic boom that we're living in right now. If you look at the S&P 500 today, you know, look how many of these companies are tech companies and how many of them we're relying on are, are tech companies. And that's essentially like well, the basis five. of economic growth today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's essentially like the foundation of our modern economy is built on like information and systems technology um, and tech companies. So, you know, where would we be without the internet and everyone having a phone in their pocket? There would be no need for any of these companies to have any amount of profits or anything like that, right? So it, it like created an entire new economy like this economy didn't exist 20 years ago. Mm. There was no economy for this kind of thing. And now all of a sudden it does, you know? And so basically there's, you know, I think there was like three phases or whatever in the last, you know, thousand, couple thousand years or whatever, where every major economic boon was preceded by some sort of huge innovation or event. And so, you know, there's an argument to be made that the modern, you know, Keynesian economic model is only 60 or 70 years old. And so, you know, who's to say that it actually functions in the long term or who's to say that it's sustainable? I don't think it is. I don't know that it is. I don't think anyone knows that it is. Yeah. But right now we're just kind of riding that high for as long as we can. But then what happens when that levels out? Well, I don't know. I think, I mean, yeah. So I think, I think personally, I think personally, when it comes to Keynesian economic theory, it's kind of like, it's kind of like governments were just looking for an excuse, right? Because Anytime this is because this is how politicians get elected, right? This is how politicians get elected, and this is how they say I have a power. feeling you're right. They promise you a free lunch, they promise you something for nothing. And the Keynesian economic model, in my opinion, after studying Keynesian economic theory, is that politicians can use this type of economic theory to provide just that. So it's all about okay, so how big is your economy, and can your economy if are you a big dog economy like the United States can that can actually, um that can use this model and not run into trouble very soon like some other smaller economies will. But I think it's going to fail. I mean, we see we saw exactly what's going to happen once we got off the gold standard. As soon as we got off the gold standard in 1971, well, Richard Nixon, Richard, President Richard Nixon got us off the gold standard because, because during the Vietnam War, during the 1960s, we were, we were practicing an economic um, uh, economics that was based around spending on huge social welfare programs during the with the expansion of the government to introduce the great society under Pre uh, president lyndon johnson and then we also had to finance the vietnam war which is a, a widely unpopular and widely expensive war um so under the gold standard under the gold standard which which i would advocate having some sort of standard i don't, I don't believe in fiat currency i think that what ended up happening was we were spending so much money and under the gold standard it is it, it's it's Having a gold standard is an incentive to keep a balanced budget, to not go into deeply into debt. So other countries saw, right, because we because we were just handing out dollars. The dollar was as good as gold. So other foreign foreign, uh, foreign countries were just holding dollars instead of gold because the dollar was pegged to gold. It was just easier to trade physically instead of like, instead of gold bars. So as soon as we started spending wildly, as soon as we started blowing up our budget with the Great Society, uh, with the Vietnam War, other countries were like, hey, you know, do you guys have enough gold? in your vaults to back up every single transaction that you guys are doing. And the reality was no, absolutely not. 
So other countries became fearful that there was going to be a collapse in the system. So they started to pull gold. They started to pull gold like France and Britain started to pull gold out of the United States. They were trading in dollars, the dollar for gold. And that's when Nixon stepped in in 1971. Oh, we can't have all of the gold in the United States rush into other countries. We got to keep our gold here. So we'll just take the we'll take our system off the gold standard so we can prevent all the gold come moving out of the United States into other foreign countries. He said it was going to be temporary. It was a temporary move just in, until the situation was stabilized. It's been it's been 50 years. I mean, it's been 50 years. And we haven't seen a return to the gold standard. And we just see how Keynesian economic theory works. More government uh, stimulus, more government spending. As soon as you got off the gold standard, I mean, look at it, the deficits increased significantly. Not only that, but you had hyperinflation, runaway inflation, huge inflationary crises that had to be combated with huge interest rate percentages. So I think the economic theory is a total failure. Yeah, I mean, Chris, the thing is, the dollar at that point was redeemable in gold. And so Nixon was like, hey, we have all these dollars out there. And if these countries, for some reason, start to get nervous and they say, hey, we want to redeem it in gold, like you said, he didn't want all that gold flowing outwards. And so he said, well, the, the you know, full faith and credit of the U.S. government should be enough. So if we take if, you know, if we take ourselves off the gold standard, that should be enough for these other countries to you know, trust the U.S. dollar. And funny enough, it actually you know, worked. But like you said, we're you know, we're paying the price now. In terms of all this inflation and then you know obviously it allowed the government basically to print as much money as they as they want in order to you know finance all this insane spending which is just obviously not you know really improving anything so i mean that's the austrian exactly theory has right. been and around much longer and that's why you know a lot of yeah go ahead well yeah going off the uh, the whole fiat point in general um, there was a recent, there was a recent like Bitcoin and gold debate between two pretty pop prominent figures. I think everyone should go check out Alex Mashinsky, who's the uh, the founder of Celsius, a uh, great company. Joe's got a lot more insight on on Celsius. And another economist, Peter Schiff, pretty renowned economist, has written several books predicted the 2008 economic collapse a couple years in advance. Um, they were going at it, but the, before they got at it. Uh, debating gold and Bitcoin, which one is a better investment to hedge against inflation, uh, they started talking about fiat currencies. And I think it was a great point brought up by Mashinsky. Both economists, although they both uh, although they both disagreed on what's a better hedge, they agreed that fiat currency is, is a horrible, unsustainable system that will inevitably end in the collapse of a currency. And they mentioned that there's been like 775 fiat experiments, all of which failed. It is 100% failure rate. In history, if you have a fiat currency, there's a 100 percent chance you will lose 90 plus percent of the value of your currency. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, the only the only some of the issues with like, yeah. At the same time, I like some of the reasons that we got off the gold standard would because if you're on the gold standard, then all of a sudden, like your the value of your currency is tied to gold. And so there's certain countries and industries right. that are more capable of producing gold than others, right? So then you have like the big gold suppliers mm -hmm. are suddenly in charge of like how you can run your economy and like how valuable your currency is, right? And so that takes away the monetary policy from the US government and the Fed, you know, because no longer can we control the dollar. It's like now it's controlled by gold. So that was like one of the reasons they did it. And then... On top of that, you know, gold mm. is like environmentally, you know, not sustainable to mine in that, you know, it's like damaging to keep mining for gold all the time. But on top of that, the gold or the supply of gold is, quote unquote, you know, limitless. I mean, it's limited, right, functionally to the earth, but uh, or at least. Yeah, but you know, practically, it's kind of like limitless because I mean, it's all about the rate we just keep mining for gold, ground. which which is an issue. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, it's kind of an issue because basically, there's an endless supply of gold, and so again, it's like you can't control the money supply, right? Which is like one of the primary things the Fed kind of does nowadays. So, like, whether or not that's for better or for worse, that is like part of the controversy around around like the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, 
What it comes down to, though, yeah, but I, see like, I really, I really don't, I don't believe in, in the fiat currency. I really believe that there's got to be something that backs up the dollar. It can't just be backed up by nothing. That by historical precedence, as we just stated before, it just it does it doesn't work. Right. So I mean, uh, it's I got I got to look more into the whole mining situation of gold. But in general, in general, under the gold standard, you were incentivized, you were incentivized to keep a balanced budget and to be financially stable as a country. I mean, the United States used to pay back its debts. The United States used to have budget surpluses all the time. We used to have balanced budgets every single year. But then as soon as we got off the gold standard, I'll give you a statistic. Since 1971, there has not been one budget surplus that the U.S. government. Oh, yeah, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in 50 years now. Yeah, it's been it's been non-existent for 50 years. Yeah, since um, Nixon, Clinton. I think uh, I think. All right. So I I think in general. So I think um, I have to look back with the Clinton situation, but overall, like still under Clinton, the, the U.S. national debt was rising. So we were still running deficits. I think in certain areas we we're running surpluses. I don't think it was surpluses across the board. I have to double check on those statistics under the Clinton administration. I, I'm pretty sure Clinton, Clinton came out and said that, that, they, uh, that they had balanced the budget and that they were going to run a, a surpluses and that the debt was going to be paid off in a certain amount of years. I think there was like some huge press conference about that. I'll have to, I'll have to confirm that. What do you mean, recently? Let's see. No, with yeah, well, under under Bill Clinton. I'm fairly certain that right, the, right, right. That That's he what I mean. came out with a press conference and saying that and saying yeah and saying that the government was running surpluses and that they were going to be able to pay off the national debt within a certain period of time. And then obviously. Um, I forget what what had happened right after him. Um, well, yeah, there, there hasn't been a surplus in a long time, and and um, we're so far from anything yeah, like. Point it. is, it's been a while. All right, so it says right here. Yeah, it says like two thousand one. Yeah. Two thousand one was the last time the Congressional Budget Office had stated oh, that's that right, there was 9/11. a budget surplus during the fiscal year. Yeah, twenty year. years. So, all right, but let but let's look at that. So, if you look at the presidency of George W. Bush, the two thousand presidential election a huge issue that was debated between al gore and uh george bush was what to do with the budget surplus because i believe there's another budget surplus in the late 1990s as well and the question was what to do with the what to do with the surplus al gore and you know what i think i think i might you know i think i might actually have to agree with gore on this on this uh on his stance on what to do with the surplus like don't don't fucking touch it don't touch the surplus and bush bush was like Oh, if we have a surplus. Right. Well, if we have a surplus. Let's just give it back to the people. So, I think it's always. I think it's always. Uh, I think it's always good. I mean, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's good to get a, like a, a little paycheck from the, get a little extra money in your in your uh, in your account. But I forget how much money each citizen got. It was like five hundred dollars. It wasn't a lot because Bush. I think. I think. I think. I think Bush took the surplus and gave it back to everyone. But I think it's always responsible to have a rainy day fund. I actually would agree with Gore on that. Like, don't touch the surplus. Keep the surplus. Use even even just having a surplus in one area could be like, hey, Congress, like, don't stifle this surplus. Continue with the policies of having a balanced budget and a budget surplus in every fiscal year. Well, but Chris, we still had debt. So wouldn't you have thought they would say, okay, let's use some of this to start paying off our monumental debt that we're paying interest on? It doesn't make any sense why they no, would exactly. You know, at least try no, to, or at least try to bring exactly it down right, to more maintainable. Right, it's only a yearly surplus. Short, exactly. Right. There's still a, there's still a national right, debt. Right. But it's gone up exponentially. Short, listen, because now it's at like twenty one trillion dollars. Yeah. Twenty one. No, it's like it's approaching thirty. I think exactly. it's like twenty eight and oh, change right now. Right. Exactly. See, and even in the last couple of years since I last looked, it's like it's gone up even. Yeah, so much more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of economists think that well, it's not an issue. About that, another uh, there's a lot of economists trillion. that have pretty good yeah. arguments, right, detailing how it's it's actually like somewhat of a non-issue and like kind of a misnomer for like measuring like our economic success and like stability. But at the same time, it is still thirty trillion dollars in debt. It's like, you know, you know, there's there's still like some concern there. It's like can this spending just like artificial spending like go on forever and ever and ever? You know who know, who knows it's more of like a long-term kind of like theory or issue but who knows well, it's I mean, realistically i mean the the the, the united states right. the united states has only been around it's coming up on 250 years that's like three old ladies living and dying back to back 
You know what I mean? It's at, at the end of the day, it's like kind of came about. The United States kind of came about, you know, after after the British rule and decided we want to, uh, you know, do our own thing over here. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, and we built out a pretty, pretty good system. And uh, but then the problem is, is that we've become one of the world economic powers. So it's like raising a child and then giving him the keys to the car. You know what I mean? And so it's now we're in a funny situation where where we just, you know, a kid, the kid, you basically gave a kid, you know, AKs and nukes. And then you said, oh, yeah, it's 20. It's 29 trillion. I just looked, by the way. Um, and then just decided, OK, go. now this kid is going to is going to run everything. Right. And so and so now we're in a funny situation. This is kind of unprecedented in that, you know, what would happen if, if, if the United States dollar fell or, or you know, just uh, or failed or, or something along those lines, especially with the, you know, with the debt. I mean, the, yeah, but I understand what you're saying, Stefan, because it, it it has been debated in that does it really matter? Okay, we're twenty nine trillion dollars in debt. Does it, does it, does it actually mean anything at this point? Can we just continue to right? Think, we'd know, never have to like pay that right, amount of money. dollars in debt. That's really right. Well, because of the way that they the way that they handle right. it, which is right. like they constantly you know. But it is one big the experiment. Like if 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 the creditors, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, Chris, like, yeah, you said, like if you don't trust fiat money, you know, it's like a lot of people felt very strongly about switching to fiat currency or at least like fiat currency that wasn't backed by gold, you know, following uh, Nixon's presidency. And a lot of people thought that it was a way more stable currency and they thought it was better that the Fed and the U.S. government would be able to control the money supply. But then, you know, you get to 2008 with the global financial crisis and they weren't able to prevent it. So they were able to help, help mitigate the damages there, but they weren't able to prevent a global financial crisis. So then you have a lot more people critiquing the use of fiat currency there that isn't backed by any sort of commodity because you know you could see that as a total failure of, of that kind of 40 year, 30 year stint or ongoing stint. So, okay. So, all right. So currently, so currently under the system, every, every single, all right. So this is, this is what happened. It wasn't just like one currency became fiat. I think like every single currency became fiat, euro, fiat, yen, right. fiat, Chinese currency, everything, everything is fiat. So, but this is the situation like the U S we abuse this system more than anyone else because we're the world reserve currency. So this is what happens. You have the United States. Everything is literally it's impossible to pay the debt because the only way we pay back our debt is by going by taking out another loan from the Federal Reserve and then paying. So it's just it, it just it's just it's like one IOU that just goes on top of another IOU all the way up. So to pay off your debt, you have to go deeper into debt. So it's a never ending cycle. But this is what happens with the United States. The United States. They need well, a Chris, Chris, you Chris, to, Chris, you know how they do it. Chris, they could inflate us into oblivion because yeah. they could print twenty nine trillion dollars tomorrow. Right, a twenty, uh, with tr twenty-nine trillion dollar coins tomorrow, and then have the money to be able to pay it off. But what would happen is everyone, the money supply would go insane, and we, and everyone would get inflated into oblivion. So that's the funny thing about you know taking your debt because the debt is denominated in dollars, right? So technically they could do it, right? They could pay it off or at least pay it way the hell down. But you know, wouldn't that discredit the United States government? Wouldn't that remove a lot of faith in the United States government that they could just, you know, inflate the money supply to hell and then pay off the, you know, pay off the quote unquote debt, right? So it could happen that way. You know what I mean? Oh, if so you're, they, so you're they, saying that? Talking about so you're saying that maybe the government one trillion dollar coin. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. That's that's going to be. But so what? If, all right. So what is this? So what are you saying? Maybe the if, government. If you just look at, if you look. What? What'd you say? There, there's delay, by the way. I don't know if you realize this, but there's a massive delay I know, like yeah. between us, I think. You, you have a little delay. Oh, I, I have know. a delay? No, no, Joe does. Joe does. Yeah. Oh, that's confirmed. We have very... Yeah. I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do. I'm sure it's not you guys. Yeah. Get Being on the other side of the world. So anyway, so yeah. if, if you look at... Because, all right, so if you, if you go back to uh, Stefan's point, like a lot of economists don't believe that uh, a large national debt is is that big of an issue i think there's there's several i think there's several issues that come with having um a big national debt i mean yeah, all right so one thing that you could definitely see is there's there's no savings you have no savings and you have lower incomes because now you have an inflation issue and wages are not keeping up with inflation 
the other thing that you're going to also see in the future, I think this is definitely going to happen very soon. We already saw that uh, the Federal Reserve is going to be hiking rates, I think, a couple times next year. So you're going to have high, higher interest rates. You're going to have higher interest payments. And on top of that, there most certainly is going to have to be tax hikes because there's a lot of stuff that the government is going to have to start taking from the people. Right. They can't just we're getting to a point right now, especially with this inflation, like we're going to have to start paying back a lot of stuff. Right. Also, I mean, if you have a large national debt, think about the system we have. How are we going to start to respond to, let's say, like global issues? Right. Because the only way that we can even fund our military is through loans. It's all through debt. So in the future, in the future, if in the future, I think we're going to have some issues fighting off uh, other like foreign problems or just having maybe internal issues that, ha that have to be dealt with because we have this huge debt. And the only way to finance certain things is to go deeper into debt. So I think it's in the long run, it's very unsustainable. It's wildly unsustainable, especially, especially because if, because we are the, we are the uh, reserve currency. So what happens if everyone just gives up, right? So what if everyone just gives up on the U S like, what is it? What if they say like they did back in like the late 1960s when we were blowing up the budget with Vietnam and, um, and the great society governments uh, blowout and say, oh, you know what? Like we don't have full faith and trust in the U.S. anymore to have the reserve currency. We're pulling out. That happened in the late 1960s. What happens if this happened? Like what happens if that happens now? Like what happened? Then we really are, would be in the, in the shitter. Right. Well, I was going to say, too, it's it's funny because, you know, um. You know, the, the one, I mean, there's economic concerns, the national debt, and then there's political concerns. So, you know, one of the political concerns is like when Congress was talking about the debt ceiling, you know, and that was like a huge debate. But economically, you look at, I have an article here from CNBC from September 21st, 2020, right? Because the national debt always comes up whenever there's talk of the government spending large amounts of money. So with COVID and all the stimulus packages... There was a lot of talk, right, about do we really want to spend all this money? We're already X amount in debt, and now we're going to spend even more money. So let me give you a couple highlights of the article, which is titled, Here's Why Top Economists Are Not Worried About the National Debt, Now Worth Over $26 Trillion. But I think it's funny because this article is not reassuring in any way, right? So check this out. You have Nobel laureate Esther Dufflow said, quote, regarding the national debt, that's not something that the general public should be worried about for the time being at all, end quote. For the time being, yeah, but, but you know, it's still something to be worried about, you know, and then she said that American credit is one of the safest assets to hold. So in a sense, it's unlikely the government will ever have to repay Gross. this debt. Sure, it's unlikely. It's unlikely there's gonna be, unlikely there's gonna be a, a global financial crisis. And then when it happens, you know, everyone's screaming for help. Right. And then you had the well, former see, right. labor secretary. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, every time every time you hear an economist say that, I wonder where they're, they're cherry picking all these top economists and what makes them a top economist. Because every single time, if you look at right before a huge collapse, questions when there was questions in the system like, hey, you know, is this growth sustainable? Is this healthy growth or is this just bubble growth? All these top economists come out and say, ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Keep investing. Keep doing your thing. Keep throwing money at whatever you got to throw money at. Make your quick investment. Make your quick money, right? And then it, it all blows up. So as soon as – every single time I hear one of these top economists say, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I am going to worry because historically they've always been wrong. And they've always been wrong right before everything just crumbles. And we saw I mean, Yeah, we Greenspan, Chris, when the, right before the, it collapsed. Yeah. He, he came out and said the economy was doing great. Everything was strong. He said, go ahead, go out and buy stocks, do whatever you got to do. Everything's awesome. And then the next day, everything collapses. Yep. It's unbelievable. It's, it's That's exactly right. It's unbelievable. Well, and I mean, there's, and there's no change. There's no change in policy, it. right? So, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, no, this so is, uh, this it also says some of the for, former cases. labor secretary. Yeah. Right. Former Labor Secretary Robert Reich 
said, it's not a time to worry about the national debt because quote, when you have this much unemployment, when you have this much underutilized capacity, this is the time when the government has got to be the spender of last resort, end quote. And that's true. You know, that's true in a sense. But right now, look at look at the employment rates. Employment has recovered 10 times. I mean, the employment rate's fantastic right now across the country. People are very employed, you know, like sure. nationally, the employment rate is great right now. You would have never thought that there's a pandemic going on. It's actually a little bit frightening how good it is, right? But there's never, there's never any attempt to tackle that debt after those requirements for spending. You know, of course, there's going to be times where the government has to step in. You know, people, people need relief, right? Like there, there is a time where people are losing their jobs because of the pandemic and need to stay home. You know, otherwise you have hundreds of thousands of people dying, which is also bad, you know. But where do you draw the line on the spending? You know, it's been a year and a half. And, you know, even if right it was there, five Seth. years from now. I'll stop right? it right there. It, it's, been, it, it's, it's been more than a year and a half. Because if you think about it, ever since 2008, right? So the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government, U.S. Treasury, every single financial institution came together during the 2008 collapse and said, all right, we got to fix this. We got to fix this. We got to start bailing everything out. We got to inject billions. And some right now we're talking about trillions into the U.S. economy for for economic stimulus, right? We got to slash interest rates. So during COVID, that ramped up. But those emergency measures that we saw in 2008 didn't go away. They never went away. Exactly. Actually, actually, they only increased. They only increased ever since 2008. So this was all supposed to be temporary measures that were done by the Fed, keeping interest rates at zero. That was supposed to be temporary. That was only supposed to be a, a temporary move to stabilize the U.S. economy and continue to incentivize investment within the U.S. economy to prevent a total financial uh, collapse of the system. We still have very, very low interest rates. If you look at the, under the presidency of Donald Trump, they were nearing zero, sometimes at zero. The highest I think they were, were – I think the highest they were, I think – Powell hiked them up like to two percent or something, maybe three percent in uh, in December of 2018. I think it was December of 2018, and there was a huge market backlash, like this, like the stock market tanked because it couldn't take that. It couldn't take a little increase of one or two percent interest rate percentage points. On top yep. of that, not just only the interest rates. Let's go to injection of money within the economy. Government stimulus in the U.S. economy has yet to end. In fact, it's only increased. And it has especially increased under COVID. But even before COVID, if you look at COVID, the, the Federal Reserve was still injecting like billions of dollars a month into the U.S. economy. It's like, what kind of economy did we have? If we were out of the if we were out of the recession by 2015 or 2014, 2013, whatever whatever economists agree on, then why do you still need those artificially low interest rates? Why do you still need the injection of billions of dollars a month in economic stimulus? And now from COVID, if you look at COVID. I have to I have to look at the recent statistic of how much money is being injected into the economy, but it's billions. You're injecting tens of billions of dollars into the economy every single month when you have a huge inflation scare right now. The national debt has skyrocketed. You're 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 passing budgets that are three or four trillion dollar deficit budgets. So this is it's very unhealthy and it hasn't stopped since 2008 and has only increased. Right. You're seeing you're seeing bills being passed for one over a trillion dollars. I mean, that's just ludicrous. It's re it's real tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, I say I've said this before, but I think this makes some of the strongest cases for, um, you know, a, a good commodity that could take over, like a like a Bitcoin. Although I believe it's overvalued at the moment, right? And I think I've shown I've shown both of you guys this this graph, right? But logarithmically, right, the price of it go, goes up over time, in terms of its um, you know artificially reduced supply. And and originally, and I think I've told told you guys both this in, in the past, but uh, you know I just want to state this, which is that I I never really believed in in Bitcoin itself uh, originally, only because of the fact that you know in order for something like a Bitcoin to work its value would have to be derived from people actually loading on to use it because, you know, uh, Peter Schiff says this all the time, but, you know, a limited supply of nothing is still nothing. So in my mind at the, you know, at the time I, I said to myself, well, 
you know, unless you have mass adoption of this of this currency, right? Nobody's going to care. Why did I, why would I care if I have a limited supply of something that that you know doesn't really do anything? And I think I think now and and Stefan, I know you've said this in the past, but people people just associate Bitcoin with with cryptocurrency. There's no there's no removing you know the two necessarily. Yeah, it's synonymous. Bitcoin is just the, the most zenith, prominent. Uh, yeah, right and right. Right, it's synonymous. And so since Bitcoin is is the most prominent out of all of them and it's it's you know increasing its adoption constantly, massively and investors are just panicking looking for a place to, you know, put their money um besides just hedging on hedging on gold or or, or something like that, you know, they they sort of come out and they say, "Oh, well this is a new asset that's that's come about where where no no government can control it." And uh, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, uh, you have an artificially re reduced supply, so it's a deflationary asset, and uh, by you know by design, and um, and that's it. And then the 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 actual uh, it can never be hacked, it can never be cracked, and uh, and the supply just continues to be restricted. And uh, you have people, you know, the quote unquote miners that are fighting over less and less coins as time goes on. And I think it just makes the case for it to you know continue to rise, you know, long term. Um, but like I said, with the you know regression that I've done recently, you know it puts the price of, of Bitcoin at like thirty two thousand. So obviously at forty eight, it's still it's still currently overvalued, and you know in my opinion. And uh, there's charts, there's other charts that you can look at. I know the uh, Bitcoin rainbow chart and, and stuff like that. But I I think you know especially since the uh, adoption with El Salvador, I don't think necessarily that there's going to be other countries making it legal tender, right? I think people are still going to use dollars and euros and things of that nature. But I think that. Um, it's definitely going to become a reserve commodity. And I think you're definitely going to start seeing uh, governments that are going to be buying it um, just to keep it as a reserve currency. But then what they're going to do, and you've already seen this happening recently, is that they're going to start making their own central uh, you know, central bank digital currencies that they, they call their CBDCs. Look at Russia. They, they're making one, uh, the digital ruble. They're making uh, the digital... Um, I think it's digital yuan in China, digital yuan in China. And then uh, obviously, you know, the U.S. is looking at a digital dollar. But obviously, when you look at places like China or Russia that are more authoritative, right, they they can come about and, and, and Putin or Xi can come in and say, hey, I want to make a digital currency. Boom, it happens. Right. And they can divert as much money as they want to it. And then they can hold, you know, the real asset, almost like holding a holding a gold. Right. Like they used to do where they would hold a gold, which is a real asset, a real commodity that has has value. And then they print as much of the their currency as they want. So I think you're going to get to a point where 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 Bitcoin is eventually. I still don't think it's at that point now where it's it's really safe because it's more speculative and you know correlated with the stock market. But I think eventually you're going to get to the point where that's going to kind of become the real real asset. And then you're going to have them printing, you know, CBDCs that are just going to be as many as they want. They could just keep inflating the supply of those, you know, to hell. And uh, and they can print it even faster than than dollars, right? Because the, the dollars, they're limited by how many dollars they can actually print. They can just type a couple numbers into a computer. Bam, they, they can print a trillion of, uh, you know, a trillion USD. Um, I don't even know what they would call it. You know, CBDC US dollars or whatever, whatever digital dollars, whatever you want to call it, you know. Well, Jay Powell has been running those printers pretty, pretty hard. You know, he's been printing all day oh, yeah. for the last, you know, year and a half. He's actually been manually cranking the printers. It's just working so hard sweating. there down at the Fed. They're sweating. Forearms, forearms yep. are huge. Forearms. <laughs> all built up. They're just oh, cranking sure. every day. They're cranking. Quite and that's frankly, why yeah. this frankly, portion is actually sponsored tone. by Crypto.com. Um, Crypto.com allows you to buy and sell. Did you see that stadium? Oh my God, that's insane! And you know what's funny? That's I was cool. hearing the about the Crypto.com stadium, and I and I think that this signals the Crypto.com stadium. And I heard recently about how they were talking uh, um, about how it's possible that this could be the sign of a collapse, right? Because you have these crypto companies that have so much speculation, like the dot-com bubble, where you have, they have so much speculation about what the potential could be. And, and these companies just have all this money. They don't know what to do with it. And they're just blowing it on random stuff, like a stadium. Like who names a stadium and thinks that's like, this is a good idea. Like we're going to get a ton of money back from this. Yeah, maybe long-term while you have the money. So I think they figure out hey, while we have the money now, we'll call it the Staples Center or we'll call it the Crypto.com Center. And then boom, now we've got it for, you know, however many years we've got it. And then that money is now is now there. And then eventually it'll, you know provide us with uh, with sales and profits over over time um you know while we have all this extra um extra free free and cheap money lying around right because you know these interest rates are not going to last forever they're just not it's impossible so
The rate hikes are, are coming. I mean, they're going to be small. Have you guys seen the, really the Matt Damon commercial? Inflation, but they're coming. Which one? The Matt Damon? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, <laughs> there's a beautiful Crypto.com commercial that just came out with Matt Damon. Why they hired Matt, Matt Damon for this role, oh, why he accepted it. I got to see that. Nobody knows. But it's the most ridiculous. I don't know if there's a way for me to play it here on this platform. Is that is that possible? Uh, let you me know see. There's a way to do that. I mean, you can share your you can share your screen. You can share your screen. I don't I don't know. That. I'm gonna share. I'm I'm gonna share. And, I'm gonna uh, share. Is, okay. Is that uh, sharing? I think I think this might be considered this might be considered fair use. I mean, it is an ad. So all right. It's an ad. Yeah, it's sharing. I can, can you guys hear this if I play it? it it's an ad. Okay. I mean, history is filled with almost. I think so. Yeah, we can hear it. With those who almost adventured, get burned, get burned. who almost achieved, but ultimately, for them, it proved to be too much. Then there are others, the ones who embrace the moment and commit. And in yeah, these moments the of moment. truth, Invest these action. men and women. These mere mortals. What what is this? What is it? Hold on. We just went from we went from explorers, seventeenth century <laughs> explorers, sailing to new continents, right? We have people going sailing to new continents. Okay, yeah. I'm on board with that. Okay. And then we have, you know, the airplane. We have like Amelia Earhart or, right. or the, Wright brothers, the Wright brothers, whoever brothers. that was. They went from climbing the, Everest. They went from the Wright brothers to right? the, we have to climbing the mountains at a club. To, <laughs> to a nightclub? Weirdest change in tone. These men and women. Yeah. These men and these women. These planes. Immediately. Mere mortals. <laughs> just like you and me. As they peer what? over the edge. Makes no sense. Back to astronauts. Why is that total change? Total up, change back in up, tone. Back up, back up. Keep, Again. Keep this paused. Right? <laughs> Doesn't make I mean, this sense. is very the intimate, club, too. This is a very intimate plane, shot. The plane to Just the like club. you and me. No, that's, it's very intimate. As very they sensual. peer over the, the edge, to the club, and then back to the they calm their minds and steal their nerves with four simple words that have been whispered by the intrepid since the time of the Romans. Fortune favors the brave. Crypto.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm saying the, the, the investment in crypto is a Fortune brave investment. Fortune favors the brave. Oh, Jesus. Fortune favors the brave. Fortune. Fortune. Meaning, you I just, I just think it's funny fortune. because it's such a, it's such an epic commercial for like Crypto.com. Right. <laughs> They're like, like these for, are greatest figures in history, crypto. and that's why you need to buy Bitcoin. Um, and Dogecoin is going to the moon. Um, because astronauts. <laughs> my my favorite clubbing. thing about Crypto.com too is clubbing. That, like, they call it. I've heard, I've heard clubbing. I've so heard going to the club. So long as you buy some crypto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called we just want your money. little clubbing. Right, right. We just we do a little trolling. We do a little trolling. It's called we do a little. How much do you think you got paid for that commercial? Eight million dollars. Yeah, too much. We probably got a couple of bitcoins. You I see mean, what I'm saying? A couple, couple million, probably. It's a lot of money. To throw. You know what the funniest Matthew Damon. part about that is too? I don't know if you guys know this, but when after they bought the stadium, right, the value of their coin, the CRO coin, skyrocketed. I don't know exactly wow. what it went to. I have to look. Yeah, I have to look. Hold on. But the the value of that CRO on, coin, and I think I had like twenty dollars in it or something like that. Hold on, we have we have the documents. Hey, fortune favors oh the God. brave. I literally just opened Coin Market Cap. Wait, I just opened Coin Market Cap, and I go to search for it, and it's like, oh, did you? Are you looking for Cheems Enu or Clifford Enu or Meta Doge no, no or no dogs, Sheba or kind. Meta Pets or? King Sheba, it, how many of these are like Shiba Inu or, or slash Dogecoin? Why are they all dogs? No cats. I mean, I'm but not a cat person. Person. I'm dogs. a dog. Person. Clifford Inu, but just think it's a little funny. Listen, honestly, I think Clifford Inu. Yeah, is this was this is this. I mean, this was going to happen. I think there's going to be a crash in crypto, and then there's just going to extinguish a huge market. Of course, there's going to be a crash of the market in crypto. crypto. 
And then only only the real ones, only the real ones are going to stay. So I see like an Ethereum. I see like an Ethereum sticking around. I see Bitcoin sticking around. I see a few coins really sticking around. Oh, yeah. And, and muttering through the tough time that crypto is about to see. Yeah, Bitcoin's just so institutionalized I think, now. I, think like what I was right. going to say, Joe, what you were saying before, it's like the Xerox effect, right? Yeah. Bitcoin is crypto. For anyone over the age of 40, right? You know, no offense, stereotyping, but for stereotyping's sake, you know, older people in general, it seems like they, you know, hear Bitcoin and they just think, oh, that's crypto or the only crypto. A lot of people don't that's even really crypto. know about different types of cryptocurrencies or how they're different or why they're different, why they're worth different amounts, right. how Ethereum is so different and actually what they widely are. used. And, you know, people think there's a lot of hope for it compared yeah. to Bitcoin, yeah. just so much slower and kind of worse in a bunch of ways. Right. Yeah. But, but again, the thing the with brave, Bitcoin though. is Bitcoin is not going to be used. Fortune favors the Bitcoin. I'm telling you right now is not ever going to be used as as a um, as a as a as a payment method, right? Like it, it was originally conceptualized as a method. The idea, the idea was, hey, well, let's have a method of payment where people can pay each other, and and it just didn't work out practically. What what they found accidentally, right? It's like what they found with Viagra. They they accidentally they were trying to make a headache pill or something, and it had a, a, a happy unintended side effect, right? So so I think that's very happy with Bitcoin is that they, Satoshi, you know, tried to make a group uh, or or tried to make a a you know cryptocurrency, but instead they made a they made a cryptographic um you know like asset or cryptographic property, right? Where it's like, hey, you have this little digital. A coin that that you can have and you can it's transferable right but there's fees associated in order to pay the pay the network and things like that but again you should never use it use it for for payments um you know i think uh, Al, uh, chris i know you mentioned uh, alex Pashinsky earlier with the interview with shift and he he says this a lot which is that uh, bitcoin is not a good use for for payments right like there are other better ways to, to pay people or even paying people in in dollars right i think there's something to paying people in dollars because think about this if you think the dollar is going down you think the dollar is going to shit right and i pay you in dollars it makes sense for me personally because i'm paying you in dollars in an asset that i think is going to go down right but i'm holding on to all of my um you know bitcoin or other uh, assets that I believe are, are going up. Now, Ethereum is a different ballgame stuff. And like you mentioned, where, where Ethereum with the smart contracts, especially with ETH2 coming out in terms of scaling to make those you know transaction fees yeah. um, you know, smaller, um, but with the smart contracts and the DeFi, I mean, it's insane how you can have a, a, you know, a decentralized version of like a Citibank with, with Forex, right? And then you take out that massive middleman of a corporation. Now, I don't know if you guys have looked into this recently at all, too, but um, the decentralized autonomous org organizations. Have you guys heard about this? No. Mm -mm. Mm. So the decentralized autonomous organizations, they're called DAOs. It's a super interesting thing that's that's been coming out recently. Um, now, the DAOs are basically platforms where you hold the coin, the governance token of the platform. And then what it allows you to do is it allows you to vote on changes that then happen in the platform. And it's completely decentralized and autonomous. That's why they call it a decentralized autonomous organization. So people from all over the world vote in terms of what they want to see actually happen with the with the platform. And then those those changes get instituted, right? And basically anyone- Oh, these, these are the guys who tried to buy a change the, uh... to the network. These are the guys that tried to buy mm -hmm. the thing and they got outbid by the Citadel exec, $48 million, and he built- You're talking about the Constitution. Uh, $48 million and, and one cent, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Because, because again, it was, a, it was, like I said, it was a decentralized organization and they, and they basically just bought it for the meme, right? They bought it for the joke, um, but also because- it a um you know it'd be a, a a news article and it would come out that hey constitution dow actually bought a copy of the constitution i think they were going to scan it and 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 make it an nft or something like that and it was it was really interesting um what they were doing with that but well for the whole for those who the, don't the know industry right yeah i, I, I was just gonna say quick synopsis dow. for those who don't know there was a collective yeah of yeah yeah there's a collective of basically crypto enthusiasts who formed a DAO called Constitution DAO, 
which they were buying, they were hoping to buy, what was it, a rare copy of the U.S. Constitution, basically. And they raised yes. $47 yes. million dollars in a week, something like that. And they wanted to put the document on display to the public for free. It was just kind of a charitable thing, essentially to prove, uh, you know, to prove DAOs as a proof of concept that they work and there's function to them and that a group of people can, you know, make a powerful kind of decision together. Well, not decision, but do something, right? And instead, they were outbid by Ken Griffin, who a lot of people hate based off the whole GameStop thing, CEO and founder of Citadel. And he won the $43.2 million auction and basically Wait, outbid them by a stupid amount of money. Won? Yep. Yep. And because wow. the thing is, is that this wow. DAO, I didn't know that. it's publicly available. The information, the information's public as to how much money they have or how much money they've raised. So he can mm. see, oh, they raised $42 million. Right. Oh, okay. I'll bid $42 million and one cent. And, and he did. And one cent. So the money now is being returned to the contributors. Uh, but they were outbid, wow. and so it was. It was very sad for them, very heartbreaking. But that's the gist of the story. Very sad, very tragic. Very tragic. It was seventeen thousand people or something like that raised that much money. So, yep. Wow. All right, fellas. Wow, seventeen thousand. Well, I think this is a good time to, to pause. I'm gonna. Yeah. But basically, last note is that so much money was lost in fees along the way. Yes, the money's being sent back to the contributors, right. but because of the way that the DAO works, they had to pay so much money in fees that so much money was lost that it's like the whole thing was a, a total failure, basically. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's insane. First, first DAO attempt. Wow. Didn't go All too right, Chris. Hard. Yeah. If you want to. If you want to uh, wrap this up, then if you got to get out of here, yeah, I'm gonna go get some info right, sleep. Very nice. All right, sounds good. Then this is a successful right, well, first episode of the Joe Cohen podcast. We're gonna try to do this on on Squadcast or something like that, and uh, hopefully we can get off of this you know current platform, and I'll I'll have better internet next time. But at least we've we've proved the experiment, right? So uh, that's it. It was good talking to you guys, and we'll, uh, we'll talk confirmed. soon. All right, fellas, enjoy. Peace. All right, boys. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye.